named our podcast the World Class Agency Podcast, not because we thought we were world class, but because we try and get closer to it every conversation that we have. What does World Class Estate Agency look like to you? World Class Estate Agency is all about people. The good estate agents add, adds an incredible amount of value to the consumer. He's, he's looking after the customer properly, so being approachable, being accessible. And for me, every day's a learning day. What does being a world-class agent mean to you? Hello and welcome to today's episode of the World Class Agency Podcast. My name is Mark Orl from Love to Move. I'm joined by Sam Hunter from Home Search. Um, we are recording the day we are putting this episode out. So it is Tuesday, the 30th of March. Sam, apparently it's going to be 18 degrees up north today. It is hot. The market is hot. How are you? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. I was just saying to uh, Felicity and Charlie that we're all, all three of us are in a good mood today. Um, that's probably because we all went outside and got some sunshine last night uh, and the plan is to do it again today, although uh, it doesn't look like it's going to last all that long, but uh, it is a beautiful day already and it is hot. Uh, I, was, I was talking to a mate of mine. Um, so where I'm from in Australia has just gone back into lockdown. Uh, oh, they've had a, well, their version of an outbreak is eight cases. Um, but yeah, it's a bit different, isn't it? Yeah. Funny story though. One of the, one of the guys who has coronavirus, uh, was like a stripper at a hens party. <laughs> so oh, no. there's every chance that, uh, it's going to go a little bit further afield. Um, so yeah, they've, they've locked everything down for the Easter. So everyone's a bit sad that their, uh, autumn camping plans have been, uh, like ruined. And I was having a chat to a friend of mine. I was like, what's it like there? And he's like, yeah, it's starting to cool down. It's only 28 today. And I was like, I was like, I'm here in shorts and t-shirt and it's 11 degrees at quarter past six in the morning. So I'm pretty happy. Uh, so yeah, I think you're right. It is, it's warming up outside. I don't think the market could probably warm up any further. Um, no, I don't think so. We were talking in our business yesterday and last week about how it's been a hugely positive quarter um, for us. Uh, and it's been, I think, really productive for everyone out in the marketplace as well. However, uh, everyone's at the bit of the end of their rope, I think. Um, and, you know, we're, everyone's starting to feel that sense of overwhelm because it has been such nonstop for so long. So, you know, I've encouraged everybody to try and completely shut down for four days. I'm going to be doing the same thing. I'm actually uh, making a deal with myself that I will not open my laptop. Uh, so I'll use Lissy's laptop for anything I want to do, but I will not open my laptop from probably four o'clock on Thursday afternoon until you and I are doing this podcast next Tuesday morning, I think. Um, and we'll see if the world burns down, but I need that break. I want to spend some time with my family. I want to hopefully enjoy some good weather. Now that we can see our friends in a park, I'd actually really like some interaction with some people that I haven't seen in the flesh in such a long time. So, yeah, I can't imagine that I'm not the only one feeling like that, you know? Yeah, I, I, I definitely feel exactly the same. And I don't consider myself old. We talked about this the other day with your birthday, like, um, but maybe middle-aged now. Okay. But I consider myself to have quite a lot of energy with a fairly healthy lifestyle, but I feel like I'm ready for the break. And I don't know whether it's just because... I've not been on holiday for a, for a long time or whether there is just so much anxiety, tension with everything that's going on in the world. And when we're doing this job, we take the pressure off some people as well, don't we? That's sort of the, the very nature of, 
of what we do as, as a estate agent. So I'm definitely ready for four days off. Um, I will try and keep the laptop shut for four days. I think that's quite a good idea. I don't know whether I'll, I'll succeed. When you work in a family business, um, inevitably, the, the laptop will be out on Good Friday or Easter Sunday, one of the, one of the two, I'm sure. But um, really looking forward to, to having that time off. And what you talked about there, the change in the hour this weekend, I think, normally signals a bit of a difference in, in the market. Like you, I went, I went out and exercised last night. It makes a massive difference psychologically. And, you know, we've been over, you know, what, probably the three darkest, most miserable months of the year. But actually, as a business, in a commercial sense, we've been really busy. This month, I was reading this morning, the right move record for people searching has been broken three times, which is just phenomenal if you think about it. So once on budget day and twice last week, 9.1 million people were searching on right move looking for houses. And last Tuesday, and they had the highest sales agreed for 10 years um, a week ago today with just under 8,000 properties going under offer, which is just phenomenal. If you think, um, what people would say is you know a low low time of stock to have that that amount of people searching and that amount of properties going under offer is really encouraging for the market i don't know about you but we're starting to see some of the valuations coming through as you would expect in you know this time of year naturally but also i think people have got to the stage now where they've missed out on stuff and they're getting fed up so going to market even if they can't find their their onward purchase which is you know really encouraging for this market continuing for the rest of the year hopefully yeah, I, I had two uh, conversations yesterday uh, that I think sort of backed that up. One was um, with a, an agent who we've just taken on board. Um, and again, the goal with them is to increase valuations, to increase instructions, finding mm-hmm. the uh, either the people who are passively in the market. So outside of that 9 million or 9.1 million that are trawling right move day in, day out, you know, and actually opening their eyes, the opportunity that's in front of them which was quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this guy was saying that uh, in March, they actually hit their, their valuation KPI for the first time in a couple of months. The instructions have been there, but the vow to get over and above where they want to be. Uh, and, and that I think is a sign of sun coming back out and everyone going right now is the time to rock and roll. Kids are back at I'm school. lockdown being released. Yeah. Well. Kids are going back at school. Now's the time for us to move. We feel a little bit safer, a little bit more confident about things. Yeah. Um, I also think then this is, what tends to happen as you approach a sort of peak in the marketplace is and then now will the sellers come to market so there's a lot of people who've been waiting and waiting and waiting going oh they'll get a bit higher you know we'll get a bit more money we'll get a bit more money even if we have to buy and spend a little bit more that'll be okay and what eventually happens is all those people dump in at once and that forms the peak <laughs> of the market and then prices come down because everyone's got a bit of choice no so Sam, we're not is- being negative this morning that's not happening not yet i don't think that's a negative thing right so peaks are actually a really good thing uh, because stock comes in, buyers start seeing things as affordable, they have choice again, offers start happening. So there's a while to get there, but that, the start of that is what I'm seeing now. You know, and they're the conversations. We'll call it a flat that peak. Yeah, and they're the conversations nice long, flat that, peak. that everybody needs to be having in the marketplace now. It's like you probably want to be on the market before we get there. You know, everyone will yeah. be like, well, wouldn't I want to sell the peak? Well, it's actually harder to sell when you get to the peak because it starts going back down, you know. Um, and so that's how you can actually start moving these people towards the market. And that takes me on to my second conversation, which I had yesterday. I did my uh, first ever Chris Watkin, friend of the show, uh, sat down with him and, and he ran me through 10 questions or so yesterday. And we talked about why 
so many agents seem to be wasting this market. And that goes forward mm-hmm. into, I hope, some of the stuff that we'll speak about with today's guest about being so reactive and being too busy to do any of the work that really matters and having those conversations about, do you want to be listing at the peak with everybody else so that there's loads of choice and less competition? Or do you want to be listing now where there's no choice and every single bar in the market for your house has no choice but to be in competition with two, three, four, five others? And what do you think is going to get you the best result? And those conversations, forget about marketing being dropped. Those are the conversations that don't happen when everyone gets busy because they're booking viewings. You know, order taking. They're order taking. So, I mean, one of the things that frustrates me to no end is when there's three or four viewings on the same property every day by different people at different times. You know, so you're just, you're just sort of like zigzagging back and forth from the office to the same thing little bit of coordination a little bit of courage to say to somebody you have to see it at this time makes the most of that time and suddenly someone leaves and they see someone else go in someone leaves and they see somebody else go in you know covid safe but highly competitive great price great offers great price great result probably a great testimonial which probably results in a great opportunity you know to find another one or another two or another three, you know, I think you need to have the mentality in this marketplace. And I'll shut up in a second of every instruction that you have should lead to three more because you've got the opportunity to tell such a fantastic story. And if you're not doing that, you're just being reactive and you're like, there was 9 million people on right move last week. I'm bound to get a couple of good leads out of that. Then you are <laughs> wasting this market. You know, this market has to set you up for the next three or four years in terms of the contacts that you make, in terms of the experience you can deliver because you can almost guarantee a super league, like a, a really positive result if you don't faff about, you know? Anyway, yeah, I completely over. agree. No, I, comp- I completely agree. And if people are not using the, I don't like the term using, but if they're not utilizing the buyer database and your system to generate those market appraisals you know then they, they are absolutely that wasn't absolutely about research but i'll take the plug thank oh. you <laughs> they are absolutely missing a trick um i want to just talk about it's you like and a political before we talk about that i just want to talk about you and Watkin and your moody ITV drama camera work that I saw <laughs> on Facebook yesterday. So um, just really quickly before we introduce the guests, who's the lead investigator and who's who's the killer? Because that's what it looks like. It does. I Yeah, that's that's Chris's style <laughs> at the moment. Uh, and the best thing was I was staring straight into the sunshine. I was like, do I just look a bit squinty? He's like, no, nah, it's great. I was like, cool. I'll back it in, man. It's cool. One and done. Let's go. Uh, so yeah, I'm just surprised to see you without a hat on. Yeah, well, my hair is uh, not quite back to what it was in in the first lockdown, but it's getting there. So yeah, yeah mine too. It's horrendous. Hipster <laughs> come out at Easter every year at the moment. <laughs> as, long, as long as we're not seeing a top knot, we'll be all right. But enough yeah. about personal grooming. Let's dive in and, and introduce today's guest, shall we? We're joined today by a former agent turned industry trainer who's been in property since the late 90s. She's worked for and trained some of the most well-known brands in the country and now offers a comprehensive online training solution for estate and lending agents in the form of the Able Agent. Little known fact, she's one of the few people who worked in prop tech before going into a state agency, not the other way around like the rest of us slackers. Charlotte Jeffrey Campbell, welcome to the World Class Agency podcast. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think I've done most jobs, to be fair, in the industry. I could probably have a long CV list. <laughs> Which one did you like most? I like this one most, if I'm absolutely honest, because I'd always volunteered for training. I've always been the one who stuck my hand up and said, I think we need to train people. So this, definitely. Probably like a natural calling. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what? That sounds cheesy, Mark, but it's really true. I really love what I do. And, and what I do makes a difference when, when agents... You know, they get a hand up in the air and go, oh, thank God we found you. So that that's fantastic, really. Yeah, a bit of uh, job satisfaction is really important, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I want to um, talk about the training, particularly at the mark at the moment with the market being so hot, Charlotte. Um, if we could start with a bit of advice or maybe a bit of what you're seeing in the industry. How do you think agents can prioritise training at a time when they are probably running around and, and being so busy? And how important do you think that is? I think it's really important, but I really rec recognise how busy they are. So we've got a lot of agents at the moment coming to us at the moment because they are busy and they're saying they want to plan ahead and they want to be aware that they've got their staff um, retaining clients as well, because training's not just about winning new business, it's the retention of business as well. And also at the moment, it's about getting deals done well, it's about getting the right tenants in, because, you know, it's a difficult market out there, sometimes the quality of tenants isn't great, so the role we have in qualifying is higher, so in my view, the training side of things is really important, but I'm, I'm not naive, I know how busy it is, I've sat in the agent's shoes, but I think with training, it doesn't have to be something that you think, oh, Lord, we need to do two hours a week. We've got to spend our hours and hours on this. It's just about getting little and often built into your diary. If you don't build it into your diary, it won't happen. So the way we've, we've kind of advised people is that we know you're busy, but because ours is online and even by listening to podcasts or YouTube videos, I'm not shouting about able agent training can take whatever form it needs to for your business. Mm. It could be mentoring with stuff, helping others. If you say, right, at lunchtime, I want you to take 10, 15 minutes, watch one of the Able Agent videos, listen to a podcast. And then at the end of every week, if everyone then gets together for 15 or 20 minutes to recap, then everyone uses the training they've learned, no matter where they get it from. Um, and I know with agent owners at the minute, they haven't got the time to monitor and manage and organize it. So it's got to be something that makes their lives easy. So, you know, that's where Able Agent came from, that we, you know, you can plug your staff in, a new starter, an existing staff, doesn't really matter, and allow them to follow their journey themselves. Mm -hmm. And as a business owner, all you've got to think about is that monthly or fortnightly or weekly review where you all get together and say, right, what did you write in your notebook this week? What were the fantastic questions you learned? What was the bit of law that you learned? What did you listen to on, on Mark and Sam's podcast? What have you watched on Chris Watkins' videos? What have you looked at on YouTube? What was an idea that worked? So the only commitment really you need is that kind of diarised point where you as a business owner manage what your team have learned. But as an individual, you'd be surprised. We had one lady the other day. We've got about 20 courses on Able Agent at the moment. We've got a fantastic big agency on trial and we did our month review and one of the staff there, she said, I love it. I absolutely love it. I can't tell you how brilliant it's been. She said, I've done all 15 courses and she'd literally got her head down over the weekend and in the evening. She said, I'm putting the kids to bed and she said, I'm straight on able agent. Um, and she said, it's been brilliant because it's given me confidence and it's reinforced what I wasn't really, she'd been in the industry about two or three years. So mm. just at that point where you really need to reinforce your knowledge and check you do know what you're doing. Uh, and she said, I hope you don't mind, but I've stolen some of the logins and I'm letting my staff watch it now. <laughs> so my argument would be, you know, if you really want to do it, you'll find the time. I would agree with you there. Um, it, 
it's interesting you made the point. I, I've just written a note down there after two or three years, you need to reinforce your knowledge and sort of recheck what you're doing because that's like the first time where you get to that ebb and flow where suddenly you start maybe buying into a bit of your own hype if you've had a bit of success over that time and you start telling uh, stories about how good you are rather than just asking the right questions to, yeah. to help people realise how good you are, I guess. Uh, this is me speaking from very much personal experience of letting my ego get in the way of doing a good job. Um, I wanted to ask you, on that note then, the, the question that was in my mind originally was like, what's the most ins- important skill for a new agent to learn like when they start in an industry? But actually maybe the question is more like, what's the most important skill to reinforce or to keep relearning as you go through? You know, everyone's going to nod off and fall asleep when I say this, but it's the basics. Honestly, if I had a pound for every time I looked at an agent's database, and the quality of the way we're taking down information about prospective viewers, the way we're taking down information about market appraisals. We still, in a lot of cases, not all, because some agents are brilliant at it, we don't do the basics really well. And it's it's so important that the primary focus of any business is that first impression, the quality of the data that you take in. So if you get your stuff all singing in that sort of really coordinated way of that, that that information we gather at the first instance is key. And if you don't win that mortgage lead or you don't win that market appraisal that first time because you're new, don't worry, there's a sweep up process. We will take over. We will make sure that we help you win it and, and give you a plan to keep in touch with that client. So that would be my first. It would be make sure you do the basics exceptionally, but don't expect to win all of the business straight away. Because if you don't keep in touch with people, there are opportunities that you're missing that would be really, really easy for you to convert. What makes people not want... I had this conversation yesterday um, about how easy it is, sorry, how simple it is Mm -hmm. to stay in touch with people, um, Mm -hmm. but how perhaps it maybe isn't that easy or it just isn't, isn't done. You know, what makes it so hard? I don't think it is hard. I think it's the fact that as agents, and I hate to use this phrase, we can be quite reactive when really we ought to be proactive. And and I worked in an agency where proactivity, looking for the business, finding the business, chasing the business was literally built into my ether. It's all I ever knew as a 21 year old estate, a 22 year old estate agent was look for the business, find the business, keep in touch with your clients because that was drilled into me massively from the top. But I'm not sure it's always drilled in. I think sometimes we're quite reactive. And when we're busy, we're even more reactive because the business is coming in. And I would always argue there's better business out there. There's higher fees out there. So um, planning that keep in touch policy has to be one of the business owners priority. Even if it's just that nudge to your team in a morning meeting to say, right, which of the vendors did you talk to today? Which landlords on tenant find? You know, did you talk to you today? How many can we convert to full management? It's, it's purely the plan, I think. If you get the plan right, then the staff will follow, you know, but if the plan isn't right, the staff don't really know where to start and they end up being reactive. Can I just ask then, you talked about the proactivity and I really like what you said there about the being better business out there. So um, would you actually, you, you talked about putting time in the diary to have a catch up on some training or, you know, just little bits. Would you put time in your diary if you were working in agency now to go out, go out there and actively, proactively prospect, even if it's all coming in? Because I bet there's loads of agents listening to this that think, oh, I've just not got time to do that. 
Yeah, I think I would at the moment, I would be, I, I would possibly build that time in because I think it's never going to hurt in terms of thinking forwards. But if you go back to what I said right at the beginning, if we're doing the basics right, we're building our data anyway. So yeah. as long as we do the basics right, we've got a little bit of an insurance policy in our database. But if we don't do the basics right, we don't have the insurance policy in our database. So the insurance policy of your database, knowing that, you know, as we start seeing things change, I've still got this ability to look at my, my reports on my database and I can print off a list of any potential um, prospect market appraisals, any previous market appraisals. If I know that's right and that data is good quality, then I can adjust my means of prospecting as and when I need it. But if that data isn't there, you've missed all those opportunities. And obviously the keep in touch is so easy now with email marketing and database marketing and sending out newsletters and Zoom. So you should build it in, but I understand if you don't, but if you don't make sure you're doing the basics really well. I, I was uh, thinking about what my sort of initial question was gonna be there uh, of, of like, what is that most important skill as a new agent to learn? I actually think in talking about what the most important skill is overall, you sort of answer that question in that the reason why you built a, like why you focused on training and development, had a successful agency career and why you have a successful business now is because of the first thing that was drummed into you, you know, yeah. look, find, chase, keep in touch. And, and yeah. so you're saying that it's resonating with me, right? Because the first thing that I was taught was da database or die. Effectively, yeah. right yeah. yeah um and that's now becoming my most common phrase i think mm -hmm. um because it's i think it's really starting to click with the good agents around here yeah. they're, they're, and they're seeing these like they're like poker machines with pound signs when they're looking at these names and emails of people that are just mm -hmm. sitting there waiting to be served you mm -hmm. know not prospected yeah. but served so it is that for me anyway being proactive you know, yeah. understanding that your job is, as an estate agent is not to answer the phone and say, it's a great day at Harcourt, Sam speaking, how can I help? You know, yeah. it's to call people up and say, did you know this has happened in your area yeah. and it has a material effect on your home? Yeah. Can we help? Absolutely. Yes or no? It's, it's all of that. And I think it's also the fact that we try and create that style of our agency that is we are trusted advisors. You know, if at any point in time anybody touches your agency, if the feeling they get when they walk away was Charlotte was really helpful, Charlotte knew her stuff, Charlotte was really helpful, Charlotte knew her stuff, that really is our most important focus. Because if your team are memorable as Charlotte, and when they ring up and Charlotte rings up to say, look, you know, we mentioned, you know, you mentioned that you're thinking about moving in such and such, and you were a bit concerned about the railway track, or you're a bit concerned about how long it might take. I thought you might want to know this. And then it all links into the stuff that I think we'll probably end up talking about on our on the conference, Sam. It's all about the really good empathetic sales and that ability to question well. Because if I combine that killer hardcore, you know, sales and managing my data with this really advice-led sell and this really strong look, I really want to help and advise you, then I think that's just gold. Can I can I ask about about that? Because what you're talking about there is, is building a reputation as, as a trusted advisor. And people often talk about estate agency and the reputation that as agents we have. It's you know a big issue um, within our industry. How do you think we can go about changing that as an industry whole? Is it just little by little doing things like you just talked about? 
I think a lot of it is about the language we use. Do you know what? I quite often look from the outside in at agents and sometimes we are quite salesy. We, we are quite jargon led. And you yeah. know, yesterday I did a training session with somebody the jargon that came out in this session I said whoa let's take a step back because when you're talking to your customers are you creating this barrier where mm. there's this this estate agency speak it's a little bit like policemen speak when you hear a policeman interviewed you know they have all this I approach the suspect from the rear and you think well you never would speak <laughs> like that in real life would you you know and I think sometimes <laughs> as agents we don't speak in real life either you know so I think sometimes it's, we've got to break down those barriers that people feel they can ask us questions the agency yesterday said oh God, yeah you know I always say to my clients make sure you come in and sign your AST well, if you're a first time tenant, how on earth do you know what an AST is? You know, so sometimes I think we're our, we're our own worst enemy. I would counter the fact that we have a bad reputation these days because I think I think there's a there's a bit of that. But I think those clients that are with good agents are almost evangelical about them. They're very happy to work with a good agent. And I think there's more of that going on behind the scenes very quietly than we perhaps realise. So maybe that's already started. I hope so. Mm, I do. I do. You know, I, I, you know, and I also think um, that people are looking at the individuals and the personalities in the state agency more, more than the brand, perhaps. I think people go back to people. And I think if you're in your career in the state agency, remember that the biggest impression you leave is will it be about you and not the brand that you work with? And it's your employer's job to make sure you stay with their brand to build their brand. But without you as an individual person that people want to work with you know all the marketing in the world is not going to win more business because it's all about people yeah I, I completely agree and I also thought your point on the importance of language and, and removing jargon um is, is really really important so you talked about AST you talked a little bit about lettings if we're just focusing on sales Sam and I are massive um, sales, sales focus we criticize ourselves often um for being so but what would you say are the top three jargon terms that estate agents use that we should really try and avoid oh we pick when we call people applicants yeah i agree that is horrendous isn't that, it it's awful and um, what are your onward plans oh i want to punch people when they say that <laughs> what are your onward plans no where are you moving to next what are you looking to do um you know and then i suppose it's you know it's all the mortgage questions are really jargony, aren't they? You know, you know, mortgage what, finance and, you know, and I think. What's your buying position? What's your buying position? Yeah. Oh, do you know, I've got a great joke on that one. Um, true story. One of my old um, estate agency friends, her dad went into an estate agent in Newcastle and the woman at the front desk said, um, what's, uh, you know, um, what's your, what, no, what was your buying position? What was your, oh God, I can't remember it. What was your old plan? I'm stood, I'm stood up. What position are you in? No, what, no, uh, oh God, my brain's gone. Sorry, I'll have to come back to that one. Oh no, that's really good as well. I need to stop talking and it'll come. It was, all she'd said was, it was what are your, what's your buying position? Or what's your, what are the other phrases we use like that? What's your buying position? Yeah, what position are you in? Yeah, I've, I've literally, I've had that on the phone where I've listened to a call and someone's like, and can I ask what position you're in? And they've literally said, I'm sitting on the couch talking to you. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Brilliant. And I can't remember, I can't remember the whole story now because I'm the age, honestly. That's the scary thing. <laughs> well, this is, that's like the other term of like, uh, are you proceedable? Yeah, One, that was not, it. Are you proceedable? Not, not exactly a word in the English language, right? Yeah, are you proceedable? That was it. And he turned around. Thank you for that, Sam. You've just saved me. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> are you proceedable? He turned around and said, no, I'm Roman Catholic. 
Yeah, that is good. That was worth waiting for. I think I might. Sorry, everybody. One. Apologies for the poor delivery there. <laughs> I blame the fact that I've just had third degree burns because I spilled my coffee all down my leg this morning. It's affected my memory. <laughs> Far more important things to focus on, I think. We'll get you to the hospital after we finish. The yeah, podcast, it'll be fine. Right? Yeah, yeah. thank you for your commitment to us over like actual scolds. <laughs> That's interesting. Uh, that is, yeah. Funny. I'm going to borrow that and put that out on social media this morning and credit you because I think that everyone could use a laugh as yeah. we get into like end of the quarter. Everyone's a bit yeah. uh, tired. I was having a chat with uh, with one of the guys in my team this morning and I was like, hey, finding it. And I won't use the language he said, but he was like, I am tired. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. And I was like, well, we've got four days off in a row and I've encouraged everybody to try and take either Thursday or Tuesday off as well. Not everyone at the same time, but yeah, yeah I think and the rest of the industry perhaps could use a laugh too. So thank you for providing that. It'll be a good thing. <laughs> it's, it's really funny. I was just yeah. to it. I was writing it down. Um, I don't worry, Mark. I've written it down, um, and I'll I'll throw the I'll throw the sitting on the couch right in there as well, just so people can they can tell that story when they're calling people up now. And I think actually we find humour is a really powerful tool in helping messages get through. Yeah. If you, if you can make somebody laugh, it actually means you've broken through the barrier of yeah. can't be asked listening to this. No. You know. Do you know what? That's my training style. Honestly, I totally lay myself bare in training. I really do because I've made all the mistakes. You know, yeah. I sold the flat, you know, measured the garage, you know, was shown around the garage. The vendor told me about the garage, told me this fantastic garage. I then sold the flat with the garage. He didn't own the garage. You know? <laughs> You know, we've all been there, you know, all of those things that you come across in your career that you, you look back on and think, crikey. But that's where training sticks, I think. If you've got a real life story and you've got a tale to tell, any knowledge that you're sharing instantly for me as a trainer builds trust because they know that I've sat in their shoes. And I think because of that, my training style is very different from a lot of agents yeah. and other, other types of trainers as well, because... You know, I have been known to swear in training, which I appreciate is probably really unprofessional. However, there's sometimes that you, you, you've just got to make a point and be memorable because training, yeah. it's quite hard to retain everything, you know. Well, if you're talking about empathising with your clients, the surefire way to empathise with a state agent is to swear at them, you know. <laughs> uh, certainly if you can swear opposite. on this show. Yeah, yeah, we're more than happy. Be yourself. <laughs> yeah. um, let's talk about something that perhaps frustrates agents into swearing um uh which is like money in your pocket fees specifically right so um again i tend to replicate the stories that i've spoken about or heard of or conversations i've had in the marketplace into these podcasts because it's really interesting to hear people who are smarter than us give us better answers than we've given people right no pressure but mm -hmm. common story I'm an agent. I operate in a market that sells houses for 150 grand, maybe less. Um, and all my competitors are out there operating on a volume model where they're offering their services at 1% or in some cases, particularly up north, mm -hmm. less. Yeah. You know, having revenue or, or lack thereof like that makes it incredibly difficult to grow the business, mm -hmm. uh, let alone offer the service that, you know, we might deem as world class. What do I do? Well, what's the first thing that I should do if I want to successfully, and I think that's probably the key word because everyone can walk into an appointment and say, well, I'm 2% and the seller can be like, no, you're not. Yeah. You know. So yeah. what, what's the first thing I should do if I want to successfully raise my fees? 
I think you decide on the fee, first of all, what you think you're worth. And I think you need to sit down as a team and decide as a group, as a team debate, why are you worth that? How well do you know what you're good at? How well do you know why you're different from your competitors? Because if you as a team don't know that you're different from your competitors and why you're different, and I'm gonna make you talk about lettings again, why would I know that I'm 12% or 15% monthly fee for full management compared to Brian down the road who's nine? What do we do differently? And there's quite often really substantial differences. There might be more frequent routine inspections. There might be a bit more legal cover involved. If you don't actually know your point of difference and why you're different from your competitor, how on earth as a team can you then explain that effectively to your customer? Mm. And if you've sat down and decide why you're different, and if you've got statistics and numbers and things that back that up, that's great, but it shouldn't be the be all and end all. I think it's about making those statistics human. So as a team, can you demonstrate why you get better price for your clients, why you've got long-standing tenants, why your arrears are low, why you're achieving um, quicker sales than your competitor? It's not just looking at the right move stats. It's about making those stories human. Because if you talk about the family who were moving into the area, who had to sell their property quick, moving out the area, who had to sell their property quickly, and, and they'd had this advice and that advice, but you changed your approach and this was the result and you made it happen for them, all of those examples reinforce why you're different. And if you've really done a good job of reinforcing why you're different, you and your team will believe in your fee. The biggest problem agents have, I think, is when the boss says, we need to increase our fees, you need to charge more, but they don't really tell their team why they're worth more. Mm. And I think for me, that's why training is so important because if I look back at my career as a neg, nobody ever told me I was any good. And I'm, you know, that's not the baby violin coming out. It just wasn't the way the industry works. You don't get told you're brilliantly well done. You're judged, you hit your targets or you not not hit your targets. So if you don't hit your targets, you don't know you're good or better or why you're worth that fee. So that in turn, particularly in listers as well, knocks your confidence. So you, you're feeling not confident. You're not feeling that you're really good at what you do. And not all of us have got the Sam approach where we believe we're the best in the world. You know, Sam said, you know, he went through a phase where he was arrogant and realised he was the best. Not all listers feel like that. Some of us are real, you know, believe it or not, I was a proper shrinking violet. I used to re be really depressed if I didn't win a listing or didn't get the fees I wanted. I hated missing the business because I took it personally. So as soon as you give your teams the confidence to know why they're good, why they're better, they're more able to stand up straight, I think, and believe in why the fees are, you know, should be higher. So I still got depressed even when I thought <laughs> I was good. And that, that I think, contributed to, yeah, to, to the... I mean, I think there's probably not a, a young male in their sort of early 20s who tastes a bit of success that doesn't then go towards arrogance because you're not you don't yet, I think, have the EQ um, to understand what got you there in the first place. You just realise that you're there and you're sort of living in this moment. And then when somebody doesn't share your insight that you're the greatest and the best and no one else is better than you, you think, yeah. what? Uh, yeah. uh, when, when the reality is you weren't anywhere near the mm -hmm. best for them because you were trying to be your version mm -hmm. of what you thought was good rather than, as you talked about before, being empathetic towards every single person you're sitting in front of, you know? And women are different again. Women have a different emotional approach to sales as well, because they take everything, I think, just as personally. But I think it's also really comes into what you've got to understand your team as a business owner, you've got to really understand what motivates your team, mm. what makes them tick, because 
for me, the biggest satisfaction was, you know, knowing that I can have a bit of time off, you know, it wasn't necessarily money that drove me, you know, so it's understanding what motivates your team, what makes them good at what they do, but also what, what they lack confidence in. And I think it really is absolutely a business owners to, to understand what they, their team lack confidence in and then help them fix that. And I'm not sure sometimes with training, we go, here's training, do able agent. What we're trying to say is do able agent because it will help Sam reinforce how good he is at what he does. It will help Nellie understand the law so she can explain things in the way she needs to retain information and share information. So it means mm. we all find what we need as individuals. And I think that's the really important part with training, because even if you do a big training day and you get a group involved, there's always a group of people in that session that are quiet, that aren't the ones that contribute, that you don't know how they're retaining and taking on information and they go away and you think there's always the dominant few in a training session. So for me, that online learning takes away that because it makes the learning about me and my confidence and my individual needs. And I think that then reinforces everything as you go on in your career. <clears throat> helps you gain confidence definitely yeah i would agree with you entirely yeah i think there's some really good leadership lessons in there and mm. um, i'm sure that there's some business owners that are listening to this that have maybe tried to increase their fees or certainly desire to increase their fees but i bet there's not very many that have sat with the team and said Right. Why are we different? Because then ultimately what you're talking about there is getting complete team buy-in that, mm -hmm. they, that they're deciding to do it almost. And then you go on that, that journey together, which is, which is everything what this is all about, right? Yeah, completely. Because I think unless you as a team believe, you'll think, well, I can't do that. And I came from an environment where we were told it was 2%. You know, with the, the agent I worked at in the, in the mid-90s, mid we were the first company to do auction. So I was going into areas where the asking price of the property was 25, 30 grand. And we were charging three, three and a half grand minimum fee. You know, so if you can't learn in that environment, the importance of explaining the benefit of what you're doing, you will never learn it. So I really had, I suppose it was the school of hard knocks, you know, <laughs> you learn really hard in that environment. Um, but I understand that not all marketplaces are like that. But I think I think the buy in from your team and, and for me, it's really understanding if you've ever done the Sun Tzu, the art of war and know your competitor, if you know your competitor's weaknesses, then you're much more able to explain your positives and your benefits. That's always fascinated me, that. Yeah, I think, I think it, it's, it's really interesting to um, talk about the competitors and then how, how to apply that to your team. Um, but we are, we are running a little bit short of time. We've got a final question, Charlotte, that you've been on before, so you know what's coming. It'd be interesting to hear if the answer is, is the same. But what does world-class estate agency look like to the able agent or to Charlotte Jeffrey Campbell, maybe more personally? Do you know what? At the moment, I think it's recognising what this year's been like. And I think world-class agency is absolutely adjusting the way we as businesses work. Because I'm, I'm concerned at the moment at staff's welfare. I think that's one thing I would say is really important that business owners are aware of. I think staff are under pressure. I think if you're working in sales progression or property management and you're working from home, business owners have a huge responsibility, responsibility to look after your team. I think we should give them skills to make sure that they know how to handle 
really difficult clients that they have the confidence that their business owner will back them up if they do want to use an abusive calls policy and hang up and 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 stop this client encroaching into their home life so i think for me today world of class agency is not about fees and sales and winning business it's about how those world-class agents really look after their team and help their team evolve over this really transitional phase because we know that agents some of the branches won't open people will stay from home people will stay remote people will move to business parks the industry is going to change. And then when you factor in that, all of the prop tech changes that are happening around us, never more than ever before is it the business owner's responsibility to work with their team. So their team are supported, expert, and aware of where the business is going. And I think that's massive at the moment. That's really powerful. Yeah. Charlotte, that has been a magnificent conversation. Um, all jokes aside, or perhaps all jokes reinforced, because uh, we enjoyed them. Um, some like I, first thing that you said that I wrote down uh, was, "Don't worry about being busy. Worry about getting deals done well." You know, and I think from that moment on, through to talking about how we look after people in moments of overwhelm, it's, there's been a huge amount of value um, that you shared. So, from me and Mark and, and all our listeners, thank you so much for joining us again. We really appreciate it, and look forward to getting you on for the hat trick. Yes, absolutely. We love to. Yeah, it's great. It's always good to talk. And sorry, my joke telling skills have declined over a lot of that. <laughs> <laughs> and I thank you once again to Charlotte Jeffrey Campbell from The Able Agent for joining us on today's episode of the World Class Agency podcast. Um, half an hour of absolute, well, I've got a full, full page of notes, absolute um, value. And where I didn't really expect it to go is the, the lessons in leadership that we we took from that but let's start at the top sam um i think something you talked about um by the sounds of things with with chris yesterday but not wasting this market and planning ahead and looking at retention of business what i really liked um when she talked about doing the basics um well and proactively prospecting even when you you are being reactive is that there's better business out there you know, um, don't just take the business that is coming in at the fees that maybe you've always charged, but um, maybe plan for better business, sit down with your team if, that, if that's where you want to go um, from fees. But I thought it was really um, eloquently put about planning ahead and retaining the business. And that's a bit of a challenge, I think, for agents in this market when the phone is ringing, when there's a record number of people on right move and, and all of that. So it takes a little bit of discipline. Yeah, I, discipline is probably the key word, I think, um, and maybe courage to just do the work that potentially isn't in the right now, uh, although the benefit yeah. of a really uh, spicy market is the right now happens more with the like potential work than it does in a slow market when you're doing that work and you might only be getting one or two opportunities. Right now, you're probably going to get five or six because mm -hmm. um, you're feeding the greed to a certain point that comes back to what we talked about at the top of the show about making sure that people are getting in now while there's really stiff competition amongst purchases. Uh, and I mean, I think letting agents do this subconsciously all the time, because often there is such competition for lets if it's competitively priced um, that that sort of mentality and those sort of conversations of this is what I put it on it. This is how we're going to market. This is what we can expect. And then this is how many, you know, letters of offer you can expect it, it could be replicated across the sales industry now thus is the strength of the marketplace and i think mm -hmm. you know, charlotte mentioned that point that i sort of reiterated at the end of, of our chat of this market is all about getting deals done well 
you know. Yes. And we spoke about that uh, two weeks ago when we talked about how you tee up a best and final, you know, that's putting a deal together well, making sure that it doesn't fall apart, making sure that everybody understands their role to play and their expectations are set and then managed on the buyer side and exceeded on the client side, you know. Um, I think one of the really interesting points that she spoke about was when agents get busy in Rabbities, uh, that core element of qualification tends to drop off and it's like, what's your name? What's your number? Cool. Yeah, I'll see you at 4.30. <laughs> Instead of asking all of those key questions to leverage that inquiry to make sure that you extract every single opportunity. I, I spoke about this with, with Chris yesterday. I think actually in a booming sales market, the first question that gets dropped on that qualification process is, and do you have any other properties in your portfolio? And so you're doing your lettings unit a massive disservice because you're just trying to rifle through all of these right move inquiries, you know? Um, so it, it becomes... Uh, like you become a bit complacent, I think is probably the word I'm looking for there. Um, and that just, I think, probably takes out 50. Like if everyone thinks it's good now, imagine if you had 50% more business just because you're asking two or three better questions. That's the reality that we find ourselves in now. And is, is, um, we talked about the importance of language. We talk about it a lot on this show. Is portfolio two letting agent the uh, jargon in? Do you reckon some? Yeah, do you only own yeah, that's, that, that's actually the question I, I, I wrote down when, when you said that, because I think the importance of language um, and removing jargon, I, I didn't really expect to be talking about that when we talked about the reputation of the industry. It's not something that I've considered as having a reputational impact, but when Charlotte talked about it as, as policemen speak, particularly if you're watching Line of Duty at the moment and all of the uh, abbreviations that they, they use, I think that actually it makes it, it makes you sort of sit up and think, yeah, actually, if you put the phone down and someone called you an applicant or someone said, what position are you in? You'd mm. probably be left a little bit bewildered thinking, well, yeah, I'm, I'm Roman Catholic, not, <laughs> not procedable, or, which I thought was just fantastic. But I think there's, there, is, there is a lot to that, and I hadn't necessarily considered the reputational damage that we could be doing ourselves and then the wider industry if, if we are using these unnecessary jargon terms. I think that's something that we could, we could all take from today's episode and you know, implement straight away if we're not already doing so. Yeah. Uh, so, like, again, all jokes aside, I think removing that level of, of jargon, even talking about we've got this many instructions, you know, this is how many yeah. instructions we have right now, just like yours. It's, it's, we work with, you know, 15 other clients exactly like you who are in the same uh, like boat rather than saying position, everyone understands you're saying they're in the same boat, you know, but they're the same circumstances. You, we work with five other families with young kids who need to upgrade their home instead of saying we've got X other similar instructions on the market. It's making it again, point that we always talk about. Every real estate agent says we know property is really about people, but yeah, they talk about the properties they have on the market, not the families that they work for, you know? Um, so really simple stuff like that can humanize you, can help you empathize, can help the client understand the value that you bring. You know, that's talking about, you know, Charlotte talked really well about being proactive, you know, looking for business, finding that business, chasing that business, keeping in touch over time gives you the opportunity to do all of this other stuff, you know, and, and that's again, coming back to what we talked about at the start of the show. 
that's how you leverage every opportunity right now. That's how you make sure that you don't waste this market. And it's really difficult in your head to think, am I wasting this market when perhaps you've had the best quarter that you've had in maybe ever, but mm-hmm. certainly probably in the last four or five years. But I promise you, and we have these conversations with people where they thought that they were busy in term, and now that they're productive, they're doing double the instructions. You know, everyone, um, yes, again, conversation from yesterday, you know, where uh, like getting, I think it was something like, 85% of their stock is going under offer within the first four weeks. And of yeah. that, they're getting to exchange on nine out of 10 of the properties. So selling something is not an issue right now. No. no Finding the not. things to sell and making sure that they're on at a competitive price. Because now the issue that everyone's going to find, which is what everybody talks about in a slow market, is all the barriers just overpricing and doing for a cheap fee because they know that there's going to be an offer there at some point and that price will start to creep up soon, you know? So it's we, not actually... We've got, we've got a bit of that. Yeah, so it's we've not actually... In our market. Yeah, so it isn't volume of stock or lack of buyers or anything like that that slows a market down, right? It's the professionals who are meant to be guiding these people through pitching higher and higher and higher and higher and higher because that's the only thing that they have to win that business versus somebody who comes in and talks about a competitive price that's actually part of a pricing strategy that will extract competitive offers you know more than one of them that will then naturally just push the price past any expectation that person would have had in the first place you know if you want 450 grand for your home price that offers over 425 you know, yeah, don't price think, it at office over 450 or office over 465. As I'm, I'm literally seeing this now where I call people up and, and like we can see the reports that they've sent or anything like that. And it's quite interesting. Our price will say it's 435. They've got on the market office over 470. That gets flagged. We might call them up and be like, did we get this wrong? You know, like, can you give us some feedback? And they'll be like, no, no, that, you know, that's what we're looking for. But this is what they were comfortable listing. And I was like, how is that good real estate? You know what I mean? You know, coming back to, I, to, to Charlotte's question, like how do you justify that to somebody? If you're asking them like, are you proceedable? What's your buying position? What position are you in? You're not going to have the chance to ask that to as many people as possible and to find out whether they have other properties that they own or whether they need to sell their own home before they buy that one because you're just going to miss the inquiry. Yeah, I think value in this market is a bit of a challenge. It's certainly what we're we're seeing out there because stuff is going and you know some competitors are overvaluing as, as you talked about. We could probably go into that next week as as, as some of the um, sort of conversations that we can be having with clients to try and try and overcome that. I just want to um, come back to something that that Charlotte said before going before going into sort of world class agency and stuff. But something Charlotte said about the basics. And I really like this being your insurance policy. So when you are really, really busy and getting deals done and hopefully getting deals done well, that little word is so important, isn't it? Um, but the basics are your insurance policy. I'm reading a book on leadership at the moment that talks about leadership being simple but not easy. And I think estate agency is simple but not easy. And because it's really easy to not ask those qualification questions when the phone is ringing off the hook or you know, you've got 
82 right move leads in your in your inbox or whatever it, it is. We should talk about that information at the first being absolutely key. Um, but don't expect to win all, all the business straight away. So I like, really like that idea of simple but not easy and the basics being your insurance policy. You know, you would never forego your insurance policy no matter how much of a rush you were in. So I think that's a really important thing to, to double down and, and to reinforce, which is exactly what the terminology that she used with reinforcing the basics. Yeah, and, and coming back to how you reinforce the basics is by doing training and, and Charlotte said by doing it little and doing it often. You know, so those, and I, I scribbled that down as a way in which, so we, we do our morning meetings every morning. Uh, it's been over a year of doing them remotely now. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I recognize that I think it's probably time for change within those because the structure hasn't really changed in that time, even though the bodies have changed. Um, and actually, you know, a lot of stuff that we do within our business has changed because we've evolved some of our processes, but that's one thing that's always remained the same. And I think actually, shifting that to making them little and training sessions every morning and doing them often and maybe setting like you and I are pretty weird in that we probably look at watching like interesting YouTube videos or we'll listen to a podcast every day or read you know part of our book whatever and, and actually encouraging people to do that sort of stuff and share something that they learned from the day before or something that they've done in the morning is going to be a good way of doing because you know Charlotte said training can take whatever form it needs to within your business. Um, but the point is to do it little and do it often to reinforce the best practices, um, which then help form those habits and those habits just keep you on autopilot if they're the right ones. If they're the wrong ones, like being busy, then you go the other way, you know. So, yeah, I, I took a lot from that. And that's something that we can implement literally the second that we wrap up this podcast and get back into our uh, more day to day lives of right, this is what's happening and this is what we're going to do. You know, and again, yeah, it's, it's why we do this podcast, right? It's why we have these conversations week in, week out with people that are living what they talk about. It's so that we can go away. And it's why hopefully if you're listening to this, you do the same sort of thing. It's so you can go away, pick out the two or three things that resonate with you most and do them, you know, put mm -hmm. them into practice. Don't just listen to it and go, that was cool. I should do that. Should is a word that has to go away. You know, we should be saying <laughs> tomorrow, I did that, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I really like some of the leadership stuff you talked about on fees, which we, I mentioned to her um, during the interview, you know, sit down as a team and decide why you're different. I think that's really, you know, simple, but very powerful or maybe not, not easy um, to do. And then finally, um, Charlotte's answer to world-class agency was different to her first answer, but I think with very good reasons. So Charlotte's mm -hmm. first answer, Sam, um, was that World Class Agency is all about the individual and being the trusted advisor and calling um, your team by their name, asking for them by name, which she talked about in, in the interview but didn't talk about it as, as World Class Agency. Um, but very apt with everything that's happened. She talked about recognising what's happened in the market, recognising what's happened in the world, adjusting the way um, your, your business works and give your team the, the skills to deal with everything that's happened and look after them. I thought that was, you know, such a human um, version of, of world-class agency. And you said, um, I think maybe in the pre, that people, estate agents talk about, you know, the business being about people, the most important people, I'm sure they are team members because they look after the, you know, the, the clients within the business. Yeah. Um, I, I don't have a lot, I think, to add to that. I think you, you've nailed it on the head, you know, figure out 
what moment your business finds itself in and make sure that you're giving everybody the tools to thrive within it internally and externally. It, it, was a, it was a poignant answer. And I think coming back to where we started this with you and I recognizing that not only we, but everybody that works with us and probably a lot of the people that we work with, you know, whether it's clients and here's a, a tidbit that you can talk about, right? So if you, if it's world-class agency is adjusting your workplace and your work practices to the moments that you find yourselves in or the moments that you want to find yourselves in, in the future, perhaps there's a point there on how you speak and how you interact and how you act with potential and current clients as well. You know, so instead of wishing everyone just a happy Easter, which I'm sure everyone's going to be doing as we move forward into this week, maybe talk about the fact that it's been a pretty record start to the year. And we recognize that it's important that we give our teams rest, you know, I'm uh, reading a, a quite interesting book at the moment. And one of the questions that, that was asked within this book is what separates the best from the rest? And he said, we would wager that the answer is the rest and the fact that we give ourselves downtime, you know, and that we've recognized that when you are at your busiest, it actually takes courage to rest. And so I'm reading this literally at, and I, I find myself in these wow, moments where, powerful. yeah, yeah. I, I, I just consistently find myself reading or listening to, or meeting the right thing, the right podcast, the right book, the right people for the time that I find myself in at that moment. And so this is, this is yesterday. That's where I made that commitment, right? Laptop gets closed as early as possible. If I can bin off work as early as possible on on Thursday, uh, sorry to anyone from home search who's listening to this, uh, <laughs> then I will because I'm, I'm now realize that you've got to have that rest, you know? And so yeah. imagine you're an estate agent and everyone's saying, we wish you happy Easter. It's amazing. Sell your house. We're busier than ever, but we can fit you in. And you come out with the message of we've had an amazing quarter, you know, but we recognize that our people have put in day in, day out, you know, night in, night out, weekend in, weekend out. And so it's time for us all just to have a bit of a reset, you know, and we would urge you guys to do the same with your friends. Now you can go outside and your family uh, over the next four days. We wish you a happy Easter and we'll be back recharged and ready to rock and roll at 9am on Tuesday. How much is that message going to connect with people more than the same sort of, we wish you a happy Easter from everybody at Barry's estate agents. And if you need to sell your house, we'll do it at 0.75% call us on Tuesday. And, of course, there will be some people that will be listening to this and thinking, well, not all my clients are going to think like that. And it goes back to Charlotte's point that there is better business out there. So if, they're, if, they aren't, if they aren't willing to accept that the team need a bit of downtime, then they're not, they don't fit the ideal client that you want that, to work with. Yeah. I would argue they probably wouldn't pay you the fees and um, you know, have you as their trusted advisor and, and all, all the rest of that. So and that, I think that's that a really good way to... That comes back to that point of, you know how everyone talks about the moment they stop caring about what other people think they did better than ever, right? That comes back to trying to be everything to everyone. You end up with not being anything to anyone. You know, yeah. that's the cliche. The reality of that cliche is talk about what's in your head and your heart and what aligns and you'll find the right people. And so you won't have any of those issues with everybody else that you will about fee, about marketing, about time on the market, about, oh, we don't need a drone. Why would we invest in any marketing, et cetera? And you'll only find those people that do want to achieve what you want to achieve for them. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, a massive thank you once again to Charlotte. And um, thank you very much for listening. As you know, we do this because we love our industry. We want to see it improve. Imp oh, I can't speak. Improve. Please rate, review, 
and and share your your favourite episodes. I'm Oral. He's Sam Hunter. Have a fantastic and restful Easter, and we'll see you again next week.